Welcome to this episode of A Pastor and a Rabbi Walk Into a Bar. I'm Sean Hennessy. I'm the pastor of Life Church in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And as always, I am joined by my friend, my brother, and truly my rabbi. I've learned, I mean, so much from you. And so... Rabbi Matt Rosenberg. <laughs> oh, that's like, it's like British. Oh, I tried to do little... the New York accent, but I'm yeah. the worst at accents. Me too. I'm terrible. Yeah. Like every time I, I, I do a sermon accent. recently, a Scottish accent, and then I apparently did an Irish accent. So <laughs> I, and I was like, I don't even know what I did. Sonny's like, you always sound British or, yeah. or Southern. Right. One of the two. And I'm just like, right. okay, they're I'm not pretty similar. That. I'm not. <laughs> Well, we're going to continue on in that the, McDonald's, the, the you know. thought that we started last episode because we got into some stuff, I think, towards the end. Yeah, talking that, about money. Yeah, and and then and when we got off the air, when we hit the stop record button, you said some stuff that like nailed me. Hmm. And so I want to talk about that. But before we do- Wait, you said some stuff that nailed me. Well, come on, Lord. <laughs> So before we get into the depths of it, let's get into our bro, bro, did you know, did you know, brought to our sponsor, brought to us by our sponsor, Noom. Uh, this time, Famous Amos Cookies. Hello. Let me tell you about the Famous Amos Cookies, bro. Did you know that before he was famous, Wally Amos, before Wally Amos was famous, that rhymes, Wally Amos was famous for his cookie recipe. He was a talent agent who discovered some ridiculous people. You ready for who he discovered as a talent agent? Yeah. He is noted. We're talking about Wally Amos from Famous Amos Cookies. Okay. He is noted for signing Simon and Garfunkel. No. That's Diana your boys, bro. Ross and Marvin Gaye. You better stop. I wonder if they ate cookies. In the studio. Yeah. I wonder if that's why they I became famous. I wonder if he was like, if Marvin Gaye was like, bro, these cookies, you should do this. He looked at that and cookie. He, was he like, said, no, man, Let's I'm a talent agent. Let's get it on. <laughs> oh, cookie. Let's get it on. <laughs> yeah, they're sitting, I used to picture him sitting in the studio. I'd be like, man, you should stop doing a talent agent thing and you should you should do these cookies for I real. think there's some legs to this cookie You should thing. mass produce these cookies. Was he famous for the cookies or was he famous for the talent? Was he famous before he called himself Famous Amos? Or did he just call himself Famous Amos and then put it on the rapper? Power of positive thought. Well, interestingly, if he was signing all those people as a talent agent, he was Famous Amos. Right. Talk about a difference wow. in talent, though. Marvin Gaye and Diana Ross, to see those two together, obviously Motown legends. But Simon and Garfunkel... Talk about full circle when we went back and we talked about that song. I'm sitting in a railway station, got a ticket for my destination. Mm -hmm. Remember the soundtrack of your life? That Simon and Garfunkel song? I mean, so many of their songs. It's quite ridiculous, actually. This episode of our podcast brought to you by our sponsor, Simon Simon and Garfunkel. And Garfunkel. (laughs) Which, come on, Garfunkel is a name, bro. Oh, for sure. Where, how do you, that's a wild name. That's one of those ones that if he were a hockey player, they have to curve it. Have you seen those guys with the curve it? Oh, on the, the jersey. jersey. Yeah. <laughs> right. Into Tacumpo. Right? You go, what? <laughs> Why is your it name like a circle? circles? Yeah. Right. It circles his number on his jersey. Incredible. His name. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah, they got to add more. Are you a hockey fan? I grew up a New York Islanders fan. You got to be. A, oh, Mike Bossy just passed, bro. He My condolences. did. Sad. The and best. one of the greats of all time. He was the best. They won four with the Islanders. Yes. And then and they lost in '85. And, and then and then we never went back to the Stanley Cup since they collided with the Oilers. Yeah. And that that bro, that was a tough. But yeah. a great that was a great team. Brian Trottier was on that team. Yeah, I mean that was that was a really solid. Yeah, I mean I was a, a baby. I grew up a Maple Leafs fan my whole life. It's which is frustrating. They haven't won the cup in my lifetime. Oh, you and Bieber, is he a Maple Leafs fan? Oh yeah, big time. Huh. I wonder if Drake is a Maple Leaf fan. Gotta be. So anyway, the uh, the Maple Leafs have the number one player in the league right now. He just scored his 60th goal. Mm. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Matthews. Ah, it's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so good. I mean, Drake sits on top of that tower in Toronto. Yeah? Does his album cover? 
Oh, I didn't see that. Oh. I'm a Christian. What's the... <laughs> He's Jewish. I, we said that last time. Yeah, and his first name is Aubrey. Yeah. So my daughter, wants my, to, my daughter wants to do a collaboration with them before she dies, mm. but they want to call it the Aubreys. Well, not they. He'd be like he's Simon not, he's not involved yet. He does. He, he wants. He already wants he to. Doesn't know. It's the power of positive thought. Oh, speaking it in. <laughs> hey, which is what we're talking about today? Which is the story we I tell know. ourselves? I know. Come what on. is the story that we tell ourselves? Man, I think stories are all messed up in our heads. Oh my gosh, I know mine is about who we are, who God is. Well, one of the things that I said in the last episode was that I don't think about money. Right. I, mean, I just don't. I don't think about money. It doesn't consume me. But right. I can tell you what I do think about. I think about food all the time. Mm. It is a struggle for me. Yeah. It's an albatross. And it has been my whole life. And and yet Where's that saying come from? Why, why is it an albatross? It weighs you down. It's a giant seagull? Yeah, it weighs you down. Have you ever heard that? An albatross. It oh, when they catch down. something? I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. If you know that, we're talking about put it in the seagull? notes of this episode. <laughs> I Seahawk. <laughs> the draft is tonight. I know that it, we will air this later, but the mm. NFL draft is tonight. I'm so excited. Yeah, I get so excited about the NFL draft. Like, oh my gosh, I'm beside myself right now <laughs> with anticipation. I can't wait. Does it make you eat more food? I can't. It normally does, actually. I mm. normally have like a draft party. Nobody comes, but right. I have a draft party. Comes. And I have the seven layer dip <laughs> and I have the pizza. And I'll cry if I Papa John's is always, Papa John's is tied to some of the great memories of my life. Mm. Anything pizza. Papa John's just happens to be the most convenient for me. This episode brought to you by, by our sponsor, Papa, Papa John's. John's. With that garlic butter? Come on, Jesus. Ooh. Does Jesus like garlic butter? I don't think so. He gave it, though. It is the gift. That keeps that, that reminds me of Christmas vacation. The Jelly of the Month Club Clark, that's the gift that keeps giving the whole year round. <laughs> All year round. <laughs> oh, f- food. So, I mean, I played, you know, sports. I was an athlete my whole life. And yeah. so I remember I was in seventh grade, and this was like a defining moment in my mind. Of course, I, I, my family. You played inst- hockey. Pe- I, I don't play, think people know you yeah, played hockey. I played hockey and football. Yeah. The, the, I had some habits nutritionally that were that you know were given to me by my family that that weren't beneficial to me. But then I remember when I was in seventh grade, I was drinking a soda, and the varsity football coach from the high school was at our school, and he walked by me, and he knew who I was. I had gone to his football camp, and he goes, he goes "Hey, so what, are you, what are you drinking, Hennessy?" So I'm, I'm drinking. I was back then. I was I'm drinking a pop, I'm drinking mm. a pop. Also, goes, that's also a fun, an ironic sentence. What are you drinking, Hennessy? Right. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. This episode brought to us. <laughs> <laughs> a drink of all the Hennessy you got in Canadian. your cup. So just let me introduce myself. My name is Humpty, pronounced with the umpty. And that's a, that's yeah. remember the first rap. Pop. That was I'm the still first. Stuck on pop. That was the first rap song you I ever heard. My soda name in. Pop. Well, that's what we call it in Canada. That's pop, or you call yeah. it soda pop, or you call it soda, right? Yeah. Or in the south they call it Coke, right. no matter what flavor. Right. So he asked me what I drink, and I told him what I was drinking. He said this: nobody ever went to the league drinking soda. Oh. I didn't drink soda again until I graduated from college. Wow. Not another one. Maybe that's why I didn't play. And so I, but then that like I I realized. <laughs> How much work that it required me yeah. to get myself physically where I needed to be to accomplish the things that I wanted to accomplish. And so then uh, like when I when I finished playing football in in 1999, I was over 300 pounds, right? Uh, but I was like very solid at 300 pounds. But th- the only place in life where 300 pounds is beneficial is – is on some sort of an athletic court field, whatever that may be. And so I was like, well, I need to lose weight. And so began this journey. I mean, journey. that's not good for baseball. Right. <laughs> Unless you're Big Poppy. <laughs> well, that's Big true. Poppy, bro. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was I love it when pounds, you call me Big... Oh, no, I bet you he was 260, though, bro. Big Poppy? Yeah. Easy. Yeah. You're not a Big Poppy fan because he's from the rival. Hate him. Hate him. Hate him. Wish he was... Go Yankees. <laughs> you're a huge Yankees fan. Come on. 
So I like just began like all this yo-yo dieting. Like I just I did the Atkins diet, which interestingly, Doctor Atkins died overweight. No, invented a diet. Yeah. Get out of here! But you know, when somebody tells you, "Hey, you can do this diet," it's Rob only Lowe's protein. Their, Rob Lowe's their god now. So seriously, on all the commercials, talk about handsome. Yeah. Speaking of hockey, one of Rob Lowe's great movies is Young Blood. Oh, oh incredible! Yeah. Him and Patrick Swayze, and they they play the roles of guys who are playing minor league hockey. Oh my gosh, it's incredible! Mm-hmm. Incredible. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it is my favorite Rob Lowe movie. I don't. I'm I can't not, think of a I'm lot of sure other I ones. No other ones. Let's think of that. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a handsome man. He is so handsome. And yeah. so I didn't know that he would be part of a diet. Like, I wouldn't think of Rob Lowe as a guy who thinks about his weight. Yeah. So the thing that has fascinated me about you is is when I met you, you had a little bit of a weight struggle. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, a you lot. look fantastic, bro. Oh, thanks, man. And that was because, I mean, you went on a program. Yep. I'm now on a program. Yep. I started it uh, a week and a half ago. And the thing that's interesting, I'm on this program, and I won't name it because I'm not trying to like product drop or anything, but the principle of this particular program that I'm on is that you you eat these like protein bars like five times a day, and then you eat one meal that's lean and green at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And it sounds restrictive, but what it's done for me is it's begun to change the way I think mm-hmm. about food. Right. And so you told us a very interesting story when we were off the air. Yeah. Where you were like in the process, you you hadn't started the Noom thing yet. I'm gonna name drop your program because it worked so well that like you yeah, did super Noom, helpful. you did Noom, and it kind of addressed some of your yeah. thoughts. Thirty but pounds you, in five months. You were at a dinner. Tell the story. Go. Yeah, I went with a couple to uh, Korean barbecue. Hallelujah. You know, on they they cook it right on the table, <sighs> little thin strips of meat, which thin oh, strips. Yeah. You of don't meat even have to wait. Come for on, it at that baby. Point. It's so instant. we had been there for a while and they, you know, they keep putting the meat on. And I said to a couple, I mean, this was a total joke. It's just one of my jokes, which is my go-to, you know, I joke about things. I'm like B-Rabbit in 8 Mile. Yeah, you know there you saying? go. Uh, I think I said, you know, you guys want these last pieces of meat. And they said, no, we're full. And I said, what does that feel like? <laughs> wow. And then I was like, I mean, I didn't realize it was it was a joke. Yeah. And I've told the story as, isn't that a funny joke? For yeah. like a thousand times. And as I've worked through, my weight loss didn't start with Noom. It started with counseling. Um, wow. And I realized in counseling that I've never really, you know, I mean, lots of people in my family are overweight. Yeah. So I assumed I had food issues. But what I found was on kind of a simple level, I didn't really have food issues. I had issues with myself. And the stories I tell about myself. Um, so I was always the smallest and the skinniest. I mean, I'm five foot five. Hmm. So when I'm in a room full of guys, it's it's pretty rare for there to be a, a guy shorter than me. Right. And, you know, people always comment. I mean, I was always a comment my whole life. Um, and what I didn't realize was... I, I mean, this was, I don't know, about a year ago. Um, I realized that I literally, unconsciously, I decided to make myself bigger. But it's also connected to my personality and my voice. And like, you know, I, I just became loud and obnoxious. And because I'm the smallest person in the room, but I am always the loudest person. Like I can project my voice. And it was all, you know, attempts to be, visible what it what i didn't connect until a year ago was because i felt invisible i literally made myself bigger to be more visible Mm. but of course i still made joke i made jokes the whole time about being fat you know because it was still uncomfortable um but i assumed it was a food problem that i had to try to get under control um, but when I started to face, you know, I got down on Noom, I got down to 173. My goal was 170. Wow. And somebody said to me, they like looked at me and said, you are really small. And talk about a trigger. three months later, I was 185. 
but I didn't realize how much it impacted me. And I looked back, I was like, why am I stuck at 185? And then I was like, oh, because that comment, like unconsciously, it took me three months to figure it out. Like, oh, somebody looked at me right in the face and said, you're small. Wow. And it was, it's a trigger. And I put 10 pounds on, like immediately. And then couldn't figure out why I couldn't get it off. And it, you know, on a, on a, on a subconscious, now conscious level, like there's real fear in being the size I'm supposed to be. Wow. Because being you- a small guy is not a good thing in our culture. Hmm. Like it's not okay to be small. It's always talked about. It's always commented on. It's always like, yeah, you know, and, and it just, um, you know, so like, you know, the scene in, in the, in the Eminem movie, a mile yeah. when they're doing the rap battle and, you know, he decides to say everything that he thinks the guy's going to use against oh, yeah. him. That's the best scene. In and the he whole totally movie. defeats him um, because the guy has nothing to say because he took it all. And I, that's how I've lived a lot of my life. I'm, I will humiliate myself before anyone else will humiliate me. So I'll make comments about my size, my weight, you know, uh, because I'm, I, I was unconsciously trying to, def, you know, make sure nobody ever commented on it. Well, you're, you're then living your whole life in fear and shame. Totally. Have you seen on social media, my kids were telling me about this last night, we had a phenomenal dinner at the house. When you have teenagers and your kids linger, you capture those moments. Right. Right. So like they stayed around the table after we were done dinner for over an hour. And we just wow. had these beautiful conversations and some really great stuff came out, right? Like uh, some stuff about what major my daughter wants to take and everybody was getting to give input to her, but she'd never felt comfortable. Just she was taking a major she thought that we thought she should take. And mm-hmm. so then they went to the store and they came back from the store and then came into the room where Sunday and I were watching TV and uh, they sat down for another hour and a half. And it was just like, and one of the things that they talked about, which was interesting because we talked a little bit about this podcast. And and my daughter said, have you seen these things on TikTok? And they say, this is a trigger alert. Hmm. And so there'll be different topics. Like she said, like when people are doing fitness videos on there, they'll put, they'll have, they now put a thing on the front end of the video and they'll say trigger alert. This video includes fitness content so that people who are overweight won't, won't be triggered uh, by this video. Right. And and what made me think is when that guy came up to you and said, What if we what if we had our conversations that were like, bro, trigger alert? And mm-hmm. that like that thing set you back, like you said, three months. And that guy probably meant that as a compliment. Mm-hmm. But the thing that's interesting about like people who are, and I can at say the very that, least, it wasn't. It, it was a statement of fact. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a statement trying of, to diss you, bro. Right, right. Like I, I, and I can say this from the perspective of someone who struggled with his weight. Right, there are a lot of comedians who, who are overweight comedians, yeah. and their go-to, oh Jim Gaffigan, is they talk about it's being the best. fat. Yeah. Now here's the it's thing, the and that's exactly the guy that I wanted to come to. Right. Yeah. I love Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. Right. And and the first like Jim Gaffigan special that I watched, bro, I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. But I remember thinking during even that special, he's doing the fat bit. And I was like, he's not really that fat, bro. Like I right. was like, it's just like a normal looking dude. Like right. maybe, maybe you're carrying a little extra weight, but you're not Chris Farley. Right. And in tall. my mind, I was thinking, too. you're not me, bro. Yeah. So you're making fun of yourself. And so what happened is right. the second special that I watched with him and the third one actually stopped at his third special. Because I got sick of the fat jokes. Mm. Because now, yes, he's making fun of himself, really but then it, the it was a, it was a trigger alert for me, bro. Yeah, I was like, wait, if you're calling yourself fat and you're yeah. not and as fat as me, you. you're calling me fat. Right. I don't want people calling me fat. But what that did, he had no intention in that. Totally. He was just as funny as he was in the first one. But my insecurity. I wonder if skinny people loved it. Probably. Probably loved it. Anybody who loves Hot Pockets loves yeah. it, right? Hot Pocket. So to your point, it's, pocket. if somebody calls you small, 
What's interesting is like yeah. you're I think every and this is going to sound so weird. Mm. I just think everything about you is wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. And it is that image of God saying that you're wonderfully made. Right. I've and I can honestly say this. I've never one time other than when you're talking about your height ever thought about your height. Mm. Never. Mm. I've never looked at Rabbi Matt and thought he's a really short dude. Mm. Maybe because your personality is so big. Right. But I like, yeah. but you think but that's that, part of the story, right? That's the kind of what's in my head, which yep. is unconscious, and I didn't even know that that was that's all a part of this character I created. Yep. That will make sure that no one ever thinks about it mm-hmm. by addressing it or being the loudest or you know the biggest. Um, in like you do it, like I saw I saw a guy at the gym the other day. Who was shorter than me, and, but was jacked. Right. And I'm, I'm walking on the treadmill, and I thought to myself, I bet you we have the same problem. Mm. But opposite outcome. He got bigger by fitness and by making himself jacked. I got bigger by getting fatter. But I think we're both working so hard for the same reason. It's because we're trying to address something that'll never change and people will always notice, like no matter what. Well, you just said something so interesting. We're both working so hard. Yeah. Nobody would think that eating right, <laughs> and working out could be used in the same Bro, connotation. I, but that's what's, I mean. You were working hard about, to get bigger. And, and, as I've, and as I've changed my eating habits, like I can't eat what I used to eat. Yeah. Um. I think I can get back there real fast, but oh, yeah. I think about how much I used to eat. Like the idea of being full. The reason why I I made the joke was because I've never felt content. Yeah, I always overeat, so I'm not full. I'm yeah. like popping. Yeah, right. Right. I need like, like a butterball. Like turkey. stick a pin in me, and the yeah. balloon goes. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like that's what I feel like I need. Um, and that's what I viewed as full, but. Most people, I think people that don't struggle with it are like, well, I've had enough because my body's telling me I'm, yeah. I'm full. Or some and people- I've literally, I, I think I could say I've, I very rarely actually felt that when it was the right moment because hmm. I always went over. Like I eat fast yeah, and I eat, you know, so I have to slow myself down and I have to pay attention. I mean, I went through a series of things with my counselor to like, let's learn how to pay attention to your body because you're ignoring it. You know? Yeah, people that really are in tune with their body too, they don't stop when they're full. They stop before they're full because they know right. that the food is going to catch gonna up, right? Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. going to expand. No, I mean, and this sounds gross, but I think it's a, it's a valid issue. Is like, I, you know, you could, I get like diarrhea, and then I'd be like, so weird. Why do I have diarrhea? Maybe because you ate McDonald's three times today. Yeah, right. You know, but it's never in my mind. It's not like, well, it can't be that. Yeah, it has to be. There has to be something else wrong. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, or. If you eat better and different, that goes away. You know what I mean? But, like sometimes it's but that you simple. But you thinking that everybody's going to notice that you're short is the story that you tell yourself. I have another, totally. I have another friend who's a short dude. Yeah. And again, same thing. Like I never thought of him as short until he mentioned it. That's what he wants to talk. Like he wants to talk about that. I, I have another friend. Right. He's, a, he's a little bit taller than you. He's maybe 5'7", but he was like... He was like 400 pounds mm. and, and then he had weight loss surgery mm-hmm. and he got down to like 170 pounds and he looked incredible, bro. Yeah. But he's 400 pounds again. Right. If he's not, he's super close to it. Like he's as big as he was before because he didn't deal with the issue. Yeah. And that's the thing is I think even beyond food, whatever the issue is, you have, we, we treat the, we try to treat what we think is the problem, but we're not treating why the problem exists in the first place. Right. You know, we're not going deeper to why is this even, we just settle with what well, must be genetics. Yeah. It must be because nobody taught me. You know, back to the money conversation in the other episode, it must be because nobody taught me how to be financially responsible. But I'm also 43 years old. Yeah. And if I need to learn that, I should learn it. Yeah. You know, like- Download the Mastermind app. There's tons of- Totally. Conversations about money. Watch a TED Talk. Right. Talk All to kinds Keith. of things. 
Yeah. I mean, there's people in your life who, yeah, there's people in your life who know about it, but you have to, for you to overcome a deficiency, you have to acknowledge a deficiency. Does he get a raise for that title? Executive producer? Executive producer. That's a raise. So what, what is it that you're wanting to overcome that you're not acknowledging? Right. Whether it's weight or whether it's money. Right. I mean, I think you can do the same spiritually. Yep. uh, Emotionally, physically, all of those things. I think it's real easy to... You know, what are the stories that, you know, it's not just the stories we tell ourselves, but the stories that were put on us, Uh huh. you know, the things yeah. that were said to us for sure. Um, and the way we interpreted those things as kids and carry that all the way into our adult life as if our childlike perception of things still matters Yeah, and is still true as an adult. You said it the other day as a fascinating and very valid point that when you were a kid, you were really annoying and people would tell you that. Right. And then you would talk to people about the fact that why does everybody think I'm annoying? And then they, and then nobody would say, but you are. Right. Right. (laughs) And you're like, as much as you think it would have hurt. Well, it's more like, um, I couldn't understand what was annoying about what I was doing. Wow. Because nobody would explain it. Yeah. In a way that made sense. Um, and once it, you know, you you fight against it's like deep pain when people say that was annoying. Yeah, it's it like is. a thing that's like, well, what am For I sure. supposed? To, well, like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Yeah, I don't know how. I don't to even fix know it. what's annoying about. Right, it. like I don't know what I just did. Am I I'm too just, loud? Is the intonation of right. my voice too high? Is am I moving too much? Like, right. just say it. Bro. Right. Like, yeah. Like, what am I actually doing? That's you know, and I I think you can, you know, that's there's things true like that for. For everyone. It's really interesting how we view ourselves though. Cause like, uh, I mean, obviously I, I, I'm like, I'm right now I'm in this process of, I like when I moved to green Bay, I weighed two fifteen, and two fifteen for me is like, I look like I'm anorexic. I don't like how I look at two fifteen. I have a naturally caveman build. Like I'm just a big, as my, as they say back in the day, I'm big boned. And so for me, if I walk around at 225. Man, that's money for me. 225 is a sweet spot for me. Right. And and so, but now I look at myself and I know how much distance there is between the sweet spot and the current spot. And so then I'll sometimes be speaking things over myself and like I'll talk about being and not yeah. publicly. I don't talk about my weight a lot publicly, but like even in the house, I'll talk about being fat and my kids who are 17 and 18, and and uh, they're not dishonest. They'll just say, I don't know why you call yourself fat. Like, I don't I don't look at you and think you're a big fat guy. And finally, my son was like, yeah, like, you you could drop some or you could work out more, but, like, you're not fat, right? Right. But that's the story that I'm, that I'm telling myself because there's a void somewhere in me. There's an emptiness in me that I know because I know the potential. Right. Of who I can be. Yeah. And I'm not hitting that. I mean, the issues aren't fat and skinny. The issue is healthy and unhealthy. Right. So what is, and we justify real fast what our current state, how our current state is healthy, even when it's unhealthy. Right. Because of that. Well, I'm big boned. What does that mean? Yeah. There's no sense. We're bones are the same size. That's an old ghetto your, colloquialism. Your bones that are proportional yeah. to your body. You're fat. No. <laughs> right. You're not big boned. You're right. fat. Like, There's no so, weight in your bones. That's like, when uh, when I was growing up, you didn't want to date a girl that was called big boned. Right. So, oh, that girl big boned. I mean, now they call it thick in this to the young generation. I mean, we go back to all the paintings of you know Greek paintings. And, oh yeah. And and the women are considered overweight. But then it was a symbol of wealth. Yeah. So they thought it was beautiful because not everybody could, you know, and that meant you had enough to eat like that. But then in our culture, it shifts, you know, it shifts over time. But like, you know, models in our culture are still super skinny. And yeah. Greeks would have been like, that's what poor people do. Right. That girl can't, have, somebody <laughs> right. needs to get that girl in the soup kitchen. <laughs> right. She can't afford right. a meal. You know, and it's it's not a matter of, um, I think those terms are loaded, like right. fat and skinny, which I always say the uh, fat and skinny <laughs> went to bed, fat rolled over and skinny was dead. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> You always say that, or you just said that right now because it's it pretty really often. funny. I say it pretty often. 
and you know, I think we have like those words are loaded. Yeah. You know, that's it's not an issue of whether you are or you aren't. You know, comparisons like this crazy killer. Mm-hmm. I mean, we compare ourselves to people, but they're totally different circumstances and totally different people. And like, you know, we're trying to. It's uh, Furtick's, Stephen Furtick's line is, we compare uh, our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reels. Right, for you sure. Know? So we look, but we don't realize the work that it takes. Social media is great for that. Right. Just ask a teenager. Like, here's the thing about old heads. We don't know how to put filters on stuff. Man, a teenager can tell you how to make yourself look real good real quick. I mean, with a beard like this, you don't need a filter. Right. <laughs> I think for me, the weight thing, the weight thing is a symptom. And we talked about that in one of the other episodes is that if you don't deal with the core principle of it. So yeah, man, what's underneath it? Always the question. You'll take care of the weight thing and then the weight thing will become a different substance. And and so that's like my friend who's gained all this weight back. He didn't deal with whatever was the core wound. And so for me, when I look at myself and I'm disappointed in my weight, for me, it's a it's a frustration with a deficiency mm-hmm. or somewhere where, to, where I'm not meeting my potential. Right. And so then you put that in any area of your life, right? So if you if you feel like you don't have enough finances, like we talked about last episode, well, that's not just that you're living with less. It's that you're living in lack. You're mm-hmm. living this idea of you're not meeting the potential yeah. of who it is that you could be and that you dreamt to be. Right. Nobody grew up dreaming to be on Wick. Right. Now, some people have to be on it for a season, right? Right. Like when I was a kid, we were on food stamps for a hot minute. Yeah. My dad was on strike. My dad wasn't a bum. Right. Ford was closed. Right. Right. (laughs) So then my dad picked up jobs on the side. Yeah. My dad was picking, you know, fixing stuff in people's houses and cutting lawns. And that's where I get that idea of. This entrepreneurial shit right. that to, where is the level of uh, we're not meeting our potential? Yeah. Yeah. And there's always a gap in between when you get into a program like that, which is good and helpful. The difficulty is getting out of a program like that because you have to make a certain amount of money to be able to afford what is being covered for you yeah. above what you're already yeah. making. So how do people make the jump? You know, it's tough. And you get stuck because you just say, well, I can't make that jump. That's yep. too big of a jump. And sometimes it is a huge, right? A huge. I mean, as we saw that during the pandemic, people yeah. that stayed home rather than took jobs. There's jobs to be had. So you can't tell me that the unemployment rate needed to be on the rise because there was no jobs. The problem was, and I can tell you this as a business owner. The problem was not that there's no jobs. The problem was it, this will go back. The harvest was plentiful, but the laborers were few. There right. was plenty of jobs to be had, but there were people who were like, "Well, why would I?" And we literally would have people who would tell us. We say, well, we're going to pay you $14 an hour. I can't come for $14 an hour. There's no way. Right. I'm making 18 bucks an hour right now doing nothing, sitting at the house watching Oprah. Right. And you're like, well, I mean, I can't pay you more than $14 an hour. Like, that's just what right. we pay. So then we were in this stretching, this juxtaposition of we needed employees, but we couldn't afford employees. But if we didn't pay the employees, then we couldn't stay open. Yeah. So there's this idea of, yes, there is a huge chasm between those two things where people at some point, they do the math and they go, if I do this, it's just going to be because of my ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they don't do the math and just hold on to the math doesn't work, even though I haven't done the math. Right. So where is that thing, <laughs> I think, for people where you feel like you're not meeting your potential? And- so when you said, or, well, how does somebody find their potential? Well, like if you've been yeah. beaten up and people told you you have none, how do you even find it? Right. Well, this is going to sound like a really Homer statement, but I promise you, somewhere within your vicinity, there's a life-giving church. Mm-hmm. They first of all, Scripture speaks Homer life over as you. in the Simpsons. Well, I don't know, like, I'm, oh, this is such a. Homer you never heard statement? that saying like homer like homeboy like it's like I'm a oh. like I'm the home guy saying this like oh. uh, just promoting no. my stuff. I mean most people maybe they're probably not from oh, Green when Bay. You said Homer this, statement. Right? All I heard was no, no. <laughs> oh, yours is. Are the Simpsons? St- I was actually thinking this the other they day. Are, are the Simpsons on, still, still on, on making bro. new episodes? Longest TV series in the history of television. 
Is this this Bart still use the same cowabunga? Like, is is he the cowabunga guy? Or? I don't know. I haven't watched it since season six. I've never watched it. Ever? Never. Uh. Uh. Hmm. Good. So okay. So, so I thirty three seasons. Good night, I. Thirty three seasons. That's incredible. It is incredible. Okay, so and I they, still going, but, and they started on the Tracy Ullman show. Bro, it was a short on the that Tracy was. Ullman I remember show. that Tracy Ullman show. Boom. So back to my they Homer outlasted statement. Outlasted Tracy Ullman. <laughs> back to my Homer statement. I would dare to venture that there is a life-giving church somewhere within your vicinity where that person who is communicating is speaking life. Right. I feel like one of my goals as a communicator yeah. is that people would leave feeling better than they felt when they got there and that they would that they would leave feeling empowered. Mm-hmm. Now, not everybody responds to that. Right. One of the series that I did that I loved more than any series was a series called More. Mm-hmm. That pushed some people right out the nest. Mm. Some people like, you know what, man? To hell with you. You're going to tell me that I can be better than I am right now. I'm not telling you that you're lesser than. Telling you that there's more inside of you, homeboy. Right. Like, right. I know you don't feel fulfilled right now. Yeah. So let's I mean, do I just something said about in a sermon, it. Sermon, which I got from Chris Hodges at uh, uh, Church of the Highlands, but you know, I think the the majority of people are not living even in the purpose that they were created for, and they don't even know. Like, they're in the wrong place. They're in the wrong business. They're yeah. in the wrong situation. Um, but they don't even know that they are. Yeah, Sonny and I had an interesting conversation actually with our kids during this conversation last night that that Sonny was like, why are people afraid to start over at 40 or right. whatever? Like you go, I if, I if I knew something else that God prompted me to go and do where I would feel more fulfilled mm-hmm. than I am in what I'm doing, mm-hmm. I would go do that. I do not care. I'm not tied to one thing. Right. Like I tried to leave the ministry, but I'm just not really good at anything else. Like I, I mean, I have outside ventures that I dabble in, but they're all people related. Ultimately, I really love to be around people. And what mm-hmm. do I want to see? I want to see people realize, well, first they have to recognize and then they have to realize their potential. Like there's more in you. Like I can look across this table and say there's more in you. You are one of the greatest communicators that I know. But it would be easy for you to consider yourself a local synagogue rabbi. And I go, I think that you, I think everyone should hear what you're saying. Like, I think you're brilliant. And I think you're a marketable asset. Mm -hmm. And I think that people think that you've thought that about yourself, but you haven't thought that about yourself because you've thought of yourself as small. Mm-hmm. But because you think of yourself as small in posture, you think of yourself sometimes, then the natural proclivity is for people to feel small in potential. Right. Like God just, God created you who you are, but he didn't create you to be small. He may have created you to be short, but he didn't create you to be small. He created you to be far more than you can ever imagine for yourself. And so there's somebody right now mm-hmm. across the world mm-hmm. who is suffering and struggling in their faith that needs to hear your words, but you're in God's way. Mm-hmm. You're limiting him mm-hmm. because somewhere along the line, you don't know what it feels like to be full. That's the line, bro. When you said that, when we were off air, I was like, oh, snap. There, I was, what we're going to do this episode, I want to talk about the Ukraine this episode. Mm-hmm. I think you guys were both tepid about that. But I was, I was like, I, was I know ready. I'm not very political, right? I'm not. Ready. Like if you go if you come to Life Church in Green Bay, I don't talk about politics ever. Right. But I was ready yeah. to talk about the Ukraine because it's on my mind. And I think it's on a guy's mind on a bar stool. But then when you said, I don't know what it feels like to be full, I was like, bro, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I know that you were talking about the physical. Yeah. But I've spent most of my journey, my spiritual journey not knowing what it feels like to be full. Mm -hmm. And then that bled over into every other area of my life. I didn't, for years, bro, I didn't know what it felt like to be full in my marriage. So Sonny and I would fight. Sonny and I would have constant conflict because 
We thought we had marriage problems, but we didn't have marriage problems. We had personal problems. I had a me problem. She had a her problem, right? Every marital p- conflict is has nothing to do with your marriage. I will say that a hundred. I'll put my life on that. A marriage problem never has to do with your marriage. It's a symptom. Your marriage is a symptom just like your weight. Mm-hmm. And so the the issue that's at hand is you're not realizing your potential. I didn't think it was possible to have a good marriage. I never mm-hmm. saw one. Right. But then my brother got married. And my brother's a great husband. Mm-hmm. My brother, Kevin, he's a, he's a construction guy. And it's very minimizing that title. I mean, he builds mega structures all over the world, multi-billion dollar mm-hmm. <laughs> structures all over the world. Mm-hmm. But he's an incredible husband. He, I, he's been married, I think, 35 years. I've never heard him and his wife have an argument. Mm. Here's what's more fascinating. Neither have his daughters. Mm. I talked to his daughters at, I performed my niece's wedding and my niece and I got to having a conversation and I said, I, I said, well, I feel like you got a really good example of how to be married with your mom and your dad. She said, oh my gosh, oh yeah. She said, you know, I've never heard them fight ever. Mm. So I went to my brother. I said, is it true that you've never fought in 35 years with Sandy? He goes, oh no, I mean, we've, we've, had, we've had disagreements. He goes, we don't have arguments. Mm. We've had disagreements, but we committed before we ever had kids that our kids would never see it. Mm. We just work out our stuff behind closed doors. And so my brother, I saw this, that he, number one, he was an incredible husband and he was an incredible dad. Mm-hmm. I was like, hold up, playboy. We're from the same cloth. <laughs> you and I had the same mama and the, the same, same daddy. Loins. So why can't I be a good husband? Mm-hmm. Well, I was gauging the potential of my relationship on a relationship that was damaged by watching someone else, right? So like there's a gap yeah. between I wasn't, I didn't have the capacity to feel full relationally. Well, now I'm going to tell you now, I have a great marriage. Mm-hmm. And I'm not afraid to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I have a great marriage. My, I have an amazing wife. I'm a great dad. And the reason for that is because halfway through my marriage, I realized that I was the problem. Mm-hmm. I had a void. And so I had a, I had a, there was a space between. The space between That's the Every time lines. I say that line, I think about Dave Matthews Band. Mm. So there is a space From between Seattle. who I was and who I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So for you, when you say this, this throw along comment that was funny in the moment of, mm-hmm. well, I don't know what it's like to be full. Mm-hmm. I had too many areas of my life where I was like, bro, I don't know what it's like to be full. I don't know what it's like to be full financially, relationally, maritally. Yeah. I think the better way to say it is I, I don't I don't know what it's like to be content. So good. And then if you don't, then you gotta learn. Because that's the space between the crooked line. The space between poverty and uh, a, a wealthy mentality. Right. Right? The shift is, are you living within your means mm. as it grows? Right. Right? Because if your potential continues, like you're growing towards your potential, then your your means grow with you. But if right. you get stuck, it, you know, it's because you're not living within your means. You're not experiencing what it means to be content. Yeah. I, I like what you just said that, that it, that it's progress, like our means are progressive, right? Mm-hmm. Like 15 years ago, my, my relational means were different than my relational means are now. Right. Because I was smaller emotionally than right. I am now. Right. I'm, I have a bigger emotional capacity than I had before. Totally. Part of that is because like you, I went through counseling and some things were unlocked. Yep. I had some areas of my life that had been cordoned off. Yeah. But once I became healthy, suddenly I had access to that square footage in my spiritual or my mental house. Totally. But I didn't have it before. You know, I just was, I was just contained to like one particular area. But I look at that in every area of life. Like I look at that financially. Like I, I, this is going to sound crazy. I don't look at the distance (laughs) between me and Jeff Bezos as that much. 
<laughs> I just don't. <laughs> Financially, sound crazy. it is a massive chasm right now. Yeah. But I go, I refuse to believe that I have that much less potential than Jeff Bezos. Mm. Why, why does he have the capability to come back from a divorce where he lost half of everything and still be number two in the world and be worth $178 billion? Right. Because somewhere along the line, he grabbed hold of something where he began to realize his potential. Well, in, right, in one area. One area, yeah, exactly, sure. right? So the as areas fell. And as the potential in that one area or as his means in yeah. that area expanded, the cautionary tale is if we take our eyes off of the other areas of our life, right? So yeah. yes, do I, do I want to be – do I, would I love to be the second most wealthy guy in the world? Absolutely. Why? Because mm. because that's a lot of bread and it's a lot that you can do. And if you're a generous person, mm-hmm. you go, oh my gosh, like if I'm generous with the X, Y, Z that I have now, if you gave me ABC like he had, man, I could cure this or I could mm-hmm. rad- eradicate this. But at the same time, would I would I trade the the means that I have in my relationships for the for the means that he has in his absolutely not so i want to live my life in this now my wife has this brilliant teaching because people always tell you that they want to live their lives in balance and my wife will tell you that my wife's writing a book right now called debunking balance mm-hmm. that there's no such thing because the problem is you can't do everything well at once right so so the thesis behind this teaching would be i just can't fail in the same area twice in a row. Mm. So I may not be the best husband today, Mm -hmm. but tomorrow Mm -hmm. I can't also not be the not best husband. I got to figure out a way to, so I like, okay, I'm going to fail in business one day, but I'm going to fail in a relationship when I'm going to fail in my food one day. But like when it becomes a pattern, right? But you can't do everything perfect all the time, Right. right? So you can't spend all the time that you want with your kids and spend all the time that you want at work. Right. One of those two things has to give. But the problem is people live their lives in such extremes that they'll go, well, then I, I, then I got to work less hours. No, right. you got to be more focused. Yeah. Right? So you got to navigate. You got to pre-plan. You got to look down the road. And it's, it's the same way spiritually. I know that I'm going to experience pitfalls spiritually. So I got to navigate for that. Right. So I got to pre-plan for that. Like I got to say, here's my deal. Bro, if I walk out of my house and I didn't spend, I spend the first hour of my day with the Lord, no matter what, bro. Mm-hmm. And I do that... Uh, through journaling, I do that through devotions. I mm-hmm. do that through listening to worship. Like mm-hmm. I got a new, new album that I'm really digging on right now, the new Mosaic. Mm. And they had a they released a CD. single. This is I didn't get it on CD actually. <laughs> this is the 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 title track was "This Is How I Thank You, Lord," mm. and they released it as a single. And bro, I would play that song on repeat mm-hmm. because it it would it it uh. It wrecked me because I do live my life in such, in such gratitude because I recognize once you've, when you've not been blessed and then you, you are blessed. And so in those moments, bro, where I, like, I feel the power of the Holy Spirit in my living room, mm-hmm. everybody else is asleep. Mm. I go, this is what it feels like to be full, like this, full, the fullness thereof, like this. Yeah power of the Holy Spirit that you feel, that people feel when they go into a church service or into one of your services, like like in your synagogue, and they go, they feel this something, and mm-hmm. they, they get weepy, even like, like the guy that you saw who was a muscle guy. He would come in and he'd feel weepy, and you're like, they wouldn't recognize what that is, but what that is is that you're being filled. Mm. So I want that I want to feel that every day because yeah. here's what I know is I know I have a proclivity to be uh, – uh, I can be a jerk really easy to have mm-hmm. a lot of baggage that mm-hmm. I'm trying to still offload. Mm-hmm. But what I know is if I if I spend that time up front filling myself up with the things I should be filled up with, mm-hmm. then then it leaves less room. So this is that's one of my prayers. I want to be less like me and more like you. Mm-hmm. Every day, because I know that the tendency for me, the tendency, the, the 
the physical tendency for me is to not be a good husband, is to not be a good dad, is to be somebody who's not good with money, is to be a prick, is to be somebody who cuts people off in traffic and then pulls up beside him and mean mugs him and goes, you, man, if you'd have known me 22 years ago, man, you would have never cut me up. And I have these narratives that run in my mind. And the enemy gets in there and he runs around roughshod all over me. And then God's like, bro, hey, hey, remember, remember this morning? Right. Remember redeemed you, you from that. Remember how you felt this morning when we were together? Yeah. That's what it feels like to be full. Right. And that's how I want to live my life. Yeah, me too. I want to live good. my life in a way where I'm not living my life with unmet potential. Mm -hmm. And so my prayer for you, my prayer for our executive producer, Keith, my mm -hmm. prayer for anyone who is hearing this is that you'll understand how it is to recognize where you're living below your potential and and then to realize how to live in that potential. Mm -hmm. And so for this episode, we love you and we're praying for you. We're praying for great things for you, praying that God will exceedingly and abundantly do more than you could ever hope, wish, or ask for in your life. And if you've caught something on here that was helpful to you, that you enjoyed, that you think that somebody else needs to hear, would you share this? Would you subscribe? Would you rate this? We sure love you. From a rabbi and a pastor, how do you say goodbye in Hebrew? Shalom. Shalom. <laughs> or, you know, you do benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord makes face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Which you know, do you know the Spock's symbol for live long and prosper? When you separate your hands? Yeah. The, that is from the way the cantor in the synagogue holds his hands when he says the benediction and Leonard Nimoy is Jewish and when he was a kid he opened his eyes and he saw the hand like that and the idea of live long and prosper actually comes from the benediction which is where that hand signal comes from to the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord makes face shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace you know or in other words live long and prosper so on that note Live long and prosper. Amen. <laughs>